My name's Tom. For those of you guys I haven't met, uh, I met. I know most of you guys from Harbor City. I was I had the privilege of being with you guys in March. I feel like our time together is rich. It's so good to be back. Uh, I have a wife, Ebony. She couldn't be here with me on this trip. She's like gutted. She's she really wanted to come be with you guys, but we couldn't make it happen. I have two daughters. She sends her love, by the way. I have two daughters, Amelia and Vivian. They're seven, and uh, Vivi, my youngest, Vivian McClure, Vivi. Uh, she actually turned five while I'm on this trip. Uh, so it's crazy. My kids are growing. It's blowing my mind to watch them like, grow and stuff. And it's funny, as I was leaving the house, right before I was leaving the house, Vivian, my youngest, she comes up to me, and she looks me in the eyes, and she's like, she goes, I'll remember you, Daddy. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm already kind of struggling with like, okay, like, I, go to, I get to go be with people I love, but I'm already kind of like, oh, I'm missing her birthday. We celebrated it before I left and stuff, so it's okay. But when she said, I'm like, I'm not dying, like, unless, Lord, less of my time has come. But like, uh, so yeah, my family, I love them. I miss them. But honestly, I'm really so privileged to be with you guys. Um, it's cool to see the family of churches here too, many of you. Like, I just... I feel so much love for this room, man. Um, those of you guys that don't know, that was my brother, my biological brother leading worship. Um, I just feel like so privileged tonight. I don't know what it is. I'm just so, I just feel so thankful and grateful. Um, so thanks for having me with you. Um, tonight, like I said, I'm talking about dependence and knowing God. And here's what I'd say that like those two things, you can't really separate them. Um, because we're needy. We're going to get into this in a little bit, but this idea of dependence, of knowing God, it really is rooted in, in our need for him. And when I consider this, this idea of dependence, kind of the first thing that comes to my mind is my kids. How many parents in the room? Let me see your hands high. Come on, participate with me or the preaching is going to go really like south really quick. Okay, a bunch of us. So you guys that are parents, you guys know like your kids, they desperately need you. Um, for simple things, whether it's, you know, food and shelter and clothing and for some gross things like body fluid cleanup and just the, our kids need us. Um, and it's just this kind of this cool picture of almost how we relate to God, right? Our children, they absolutely need us. And it got me thinking about this idea that like, you know, like when Vivian told me, like, I'll remember you, daddy. <laughs> and I was like, if you're anything like, my, like me, my mind will kind of run down these rabbit trails, sometimes the what if game. Like, what if I don't come home? Like, what if I didn't make it home? Like, what if something happened to me and my children had to grow up in a home without a dad? Like, I'm confident that the church, that all my children know is that the church is the family of God. I'm so grateful for that. I know the church would rally. I know they would care for them. I know it. But like, what would it, what would it look like? Because there's this, there's this reality to like a child, a child depends on their father. Many of us, we have like deep father wounds. And I think, I'm convinced it's because a, a child depends on their father. The child of God is no different, right? Dependence is a big deal. Knowing God, knowing that we genuinely depend on him for things is a really big deal. So quickly, I'm going to kind of give you the spoiler alert. Here's my agenda for our time. My agenda for our time is that all of us will become more aware of how much we need him and what we need him for how much we need him and what we need him for. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you have them, you can flip to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to be tonight. John chapter 15. Um, I'm going to pray for our time, okay? Will you pray for me? I'll pray for you. We'll just kind of have this prayer party really quick.
Hmm. Father, I'm grateful for the ways that you um, demonstrate fatherly love for us. Holy Spirit, would you point us to Jesus in profound ways tonight? I, I pray against anything that's kind of blocking us from seeing Jesus clearly. Um, every knee bows at the name of Jesus. So my great and glorious King, would you bless us tonight? Would you make us more aware of our need, more aware of your gracious love, and would you empower us to live the life that you created us to live, to enjoy you, obey you, and operate like you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so before I jump into the passage, I really want to get your minds kind of working tonight. Um, tonight won't be fruitful if you're not doing some self-examination, okay? <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you a question. The question is this. What do you need? Think about it. Can I steal this water? Is that okay? Think about it. What do you need? What do you need? Typically, in our lives, what we do is we prioritize things. And we prioritize things based on what we need. <clears throat> okay? So, um, think about this for a second. How do you spend your time? Because what you prioritize in your life is directly associated to your, what your perceived needs are. <clears throat> okay? So, think about this. Um, for instance... I spend, a, I think I probably spend the most time in my life doing one thing. Can you guess what it is? Boom. Dude, wise. Sage Grant. Yes, we all do this, right? We breathe. We spend a lot of time in our life breathing because it's a high priority. Why? Because we need oxygen to live. I know it's silly, but follow me with this, okay? A lot of time breathing. Now, how many of you guys know that there's a difference between a priority that's in theory and a priority that's in practice? So a priority that's in theory would be like a priority that's on paper, right? So like I would say this, I would, I would say that spending time with my children or, or fathering my children or husbanding my wife is a priority. But if it's just words that come out of my mouth and it doesn't actually make its, make its way onto my calendar, you guys call a calendar a diary, right? Yeah? Does it make its way onto my diary? That would be more of a priority in theory and not a priority in practice. Are you following me with this? There's a difference there. Priorities in theory versus priorities in practice. Because hear me say this, you will prioritize what you believe the most. I'm sorry, what you, what you believe you need the most. What you believe that you depend on the most. Like what you actually feel at a heart level you need will become your priority in your life. And your calendar or your diary will reflect that. So that being said, take an assessment really quick. Assess how you use your time. Because we don't want to be people who have priorities in theory, but they don't make their way into practice. We can talk about cultures. We can talk about values all day long. I love this. I, I love thinking big picture. I love thinking 30,000 feet in the air. It's really important. But if it stays there, we're in trouble. The Bible calls that hypocrisy. It can be dangerous. But... It can also be incredible as we, as we, as, as God has given us this beautiful vision for our lives to worship, obey, and enjoy Jesus. These, these priorities in our lives, if they don't make its way into practice, we're missing out. So, 
If you were to assess your calendar based on priorities, and priorities reveal what you need, they reveal what you depend on, how much do you depend on God? If, you, if you're able to like kind of pull up the spreadsheet, you know, the pie chart. How much, do you, how much do you depend on him? How much do you actually like need him? And what do you need him for? If you're anything like me, our default is to go to God when we want him to do something for us. That's not bad. That's beautiful. But that can be a limited kind of sliver in our relationship. If that's the only thing that defines our relationship, Man, it's lacking intimacy, it's lacking depth, it's lacking beauty. I would argue it's lacking what God would have for us. He created you to be in beautiful relationship with him. That's more than just, God, I really want this. Can I get the promotion? Can the person that I'm seeking approval from, can you kind of like, like sprinkle some love potion on them so that they will approve of me? So listen to me, your honest answer to these questions they reveal a lot, okay? So that's the preface as we jump into John 15, okay? John 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. I'm in the Christian Standard Bible tonight, very similar to the ESV, but I didn't have time to update my notes, so the gracious, lovely lady in the front here helped me a ton put them on the screen. So they'll be there. If it doesn't match up perfectly, I'm going to read this. Here we go. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus God in the flesh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, this is massive. It says, remain in me and I in you. The ESV says, abide. Remain in me, abide in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Really quickly, let's talk about this this word remain. It's really important. Okay, some translations say abide. This word remain, that's what it means. It means to, it means to remain. It means, it means to stay. Like, how many of you guys own, or own, how many of you guys have dogs? Anybody? Okay, think about like dog training. Basic dog training. What do you teach them to do? To sit and to, and to stay. Okay, it's basic dog training. The same could be said for the disciple of Jesus. This idea of stay, remain, abide. <clears throat> it's this idea of always being with him. Guys, we, we worship a God who is Emmanuel. He's God with us. My question is, are we with him? He knows everything about us and loves us the same. Remain, abide, stay with. Um, one of the things that, uh, it's, it's this idea of being God's presence always. Um, for years now, I feel like God keeps repeating the same phrase to me over and over and over again, and it's had a profound impact on my life. And the simple phrase that I feel like Holy Spirit keeps saying to me is, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't leave me at home. Don't leave me in the other room. Like, stay with me. It's this idea of not living a compartmentalized life. Right? So I take Jesus with me when I'm, when I'm at the church gathering, when I'm, when I'm worshiping with my friends, and 
then when I'm in the fight with my wife, like, no, he needs to stay in the other room because I need to be a butthead. <clears throat> Can I say butthead? Sorry. <laughs> you guys tracking with me? Always with him because he's always with me. In his presence. You guys know um, the Hebrew word for presence is the same word for face? It's this idea that, like, we have his attention. Always, man. That's the side, okay, you know, you know the story, right? The, 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 the curtain, the temple tears from the top to the bottom. There's no separation between man and God anymore because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Intimacy with God. It's beautiful. We have God's face all the time. You have his attention all the time. We talk about remain. We talk about staying with him. Like, I'm with Holy Spirit right now. I know I'm talking to you. I really want to honor you tonight. I really want to love you tonight. I'm with him right now. I'm engaging with him right now as I'm talking to you. It's this idea of staying with, with him, doing everything with him. And here's the thing. If this happens, if, we abide, if we're a people who abide, if we're a people who remain, if we're a people because of our need, because of our dependence, and because of what Jesus has done and reconciling us to God, if we are people who remain with him, do everything with him, this will really affect the way that you live massive, massively, okay? I would say this is arguably the most, the, the biggest effect on my life. The biggest element of becoming a disciple of Jesus, this idea of abiding, of staying with him, of remaining with him, aware of my need, has literally transformed my life. It's transformed the way that I live, okay? Because when I remain with him, when I stay with him, he tells me to do stuff. He gives me direction. He gives me assignments. Sometimes it's gnarly stuff like planting churches and helping plant churches and, and radically reorienting my life. And sometimes in the day-to-day, it's just like pretty cool stuff. Sometimes it's profound. Can I share some stories with you? This is, this is the stuff that gets me excited, okay? Um, gosh, years ago. This is probably, I'll, I'll, show, I'll show that later. I met with this couple. We're connecting. You guys have Starbucks. We're connecting over coffee. And they just wanted to connect and kind of share life and ask some questions about marriage and get some, just some counsel and stuff. And one of the things that I had known about this couple, it was actually right before we were moving to San Diego to help plant the first restored church with Annie and Jackie and Brad and Sarah and the crew. And I'm meeting up with this couple, we're connecting, and one of the things about this couple is they had been married for several years. They'd been trying for a baby for almost 10 years. And the doctor told her, he, the doctor's words were, you have a 0% chance. Because what she had was she had cysts all over her ovaries. And they couldn't fix it. And it wasn't the reason that they wanted to connect, but it kind of came out just that they, it's kind of more of a, it was becoming, it was bubbling up again, because this, this has been like a, pro, like a series of, this is years that they've dealt with this. And it started to kind of bubble up, of like, yeah, it's just kind of, it's hurting again. It's, it's a bummer, like we're, we're having a hard time with this again. And I remember because of this pattern of stay with me, Tom, stay with me, living an integrated life. I'm not just listening to them when I'm meeting with them. I'm with Jesus too. I'm with, I'm with Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit say, I want you to pray for them. Do you have any idea how uncomfortable it can be with someone who has a 0% chance to have a baby to then pray for that baby? The risk and they're like, oh God, like what if this could be awkward? But again, I'd rather be wrong in hearing the Lord than disobedient. I know enough about his will. He loves them. 
He wants to bless them. Sometimes it looks like healing, sometimes it doesn't. But either way, he's working all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right? God's sovereign grace, his will. So, lay hands on them. Feel like, and again, I'm, I'm consistently like, God, what do you want to do here? I want to pray for them. Feel like the Spirit says, have the husband put his hand on her tummy and you pray. I didn't lay hands on her. I just prayed. Simple prayers. Not like, Holy Spirit, come! Like nothing yelling, like nothing crazy. Just like, God, you're good. We love you. We're your children. Thankfully, we get to bring all of our requests to you, and we trust you. Give them a baby, please. I'm asking you to give them a baby. Nothing happened. There wasn't some spent, there wasn't fireworks, there wasn't anything crazy. And then about like six weeks later, I get a call from them. They've conceived. And I remember thinking like, oh man, like the system over is a big deal. Like it was, it was something, I don't have the statistics for you, but it was something crazy. Like there's a high percentage that, that she wouldn't even be able to carry the baby full term. So the conception itself was an incredible miracle. But it's like, okay, Lord, like what's going to happen with this baby? Thank you. This is great. But like now what? Baby Kinley was born just fine. She's six years old. She's doing fantastic. Their family, she's a miracle baby. I trust God's goodness. I trust his sovereignty. I don't know what would have happened if I disobeyed him in that moment. Incredible story. It's been one that I carry with me for like for many, many years, okay? Um, another one for you. When we were with the, the crew in South Bay, we went through this kind of difficult season of having to move venues. And it was just kind of a train wreck, like feeling like um, some like betrayal. It was just a difficult season. And we, we, we went in the process of moving into a new school, okay? And as we're moving into the new school, we meet with the custodian, and he's, like, showing us the lay of the land. And the best thing when, you, when, you are, like, when you're meeting in a school is to get in with the custodian because they held all the power. They have every key on that huge thing, you know? The principal, the vice principal, they're kind, they're cool, but the custodian calls the shots, okay? So we meet with this guy, David, <clears throat> And the staff, me and Danny and Priscilla, and we're tra- he's like taking us through the school, showing us the classrooms, that kind of thing. And he mentions, he goes, hey, you're actually going to be working with a different custodian for the next month or so, and I'm going to be gone for about a month. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, are you coming back? And he's like, yeah, I'm coming back. Um, and I had noticed that he was kind of like limping a little bit, not like crazy, but just enough to where like you could tell something was wrong. And he had this hernia, and he was going in the next day, actually, for hernia surgery. And he was going to be gone for a month as he recuperated from his hernia. And again, classic, like, doing my best to obey this, stay with me, abide in me, remain in me. And the Holy Spirit said something uncomfortable again. Holy Spirit said, I want you to pray for him. And I remember thinking, like, what am I going to do? The guy's going into surgery tomorrow. Like, so I'm just like, okay, want to be obedient to it. So we as a team, we lay hands on him, we pray. God heal him. It'd be so cool if like he didn't have to have this her- this surgery hernia although or the, the surgery for his hernia, although it's tomorrow. Nothing happens. Like nothing. The crazy part is I get a call, I get a FaceTime call from another guy in the church, like almost two years later. Okay? He calls me and I'm like, hey man, what's up? And he goes, Hey, somebody wants to talk to you. And he pans the phone over and it's David. And David's like, um, hey, man, um, so you, do you remember when, you know, we first met and you prayed, you guys prayed over us, or prayed over me with my hernia surgery? I'm like, honestly, I don't think I remember. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that because nothing had happened, right? 
And he goes, hey, I'm really sorry I didn't tell you this, but next day I went in for the surgery and the doctor, you know, they have to, they have to knock him out and everything. The doctor um, <clears throat> does the anesthetic. He knocks out. They, they, they cut him open and there's no hernia for them to operate on. So they sew him back up. His wife's upset about the scar. And he goes, you know what? I love this scar. Because this is a reminder of the healing power of the God who loves me. He's got a physical mark on his body of the way that God miraculously intervened. Okay? Since then, he's getting, gotten integrated into the church. Last I heard, is he getting baptized? Like, guys, this is a random dude who didn't know Jesus who was a custodian at a school that we were meeting at. And a simple, like, stay with me, Tom. Stay with me, Tom. And then God, the Holy Spirit saying something uncomfortable. Simple acts of obedience. Can I tell more stories? Is this okay? Okay. Um, this one's recent. A man in our church in Temecula. Um, <clears throat> I've been really doing my best to, to spend as much possible time as I can just praying over our church. Uh, I read the scriptures and I see men and women being freed up for ministry, to, like especially men with eldership, to just pray. Like there's so much value in prayer. <clears throat> and again, this idea of like staying with him, I want to stay with him. I want to stay with him. I want to abide in him. I want to be in relationship with Jesus. He's with me now. Spirit's with me now. Like, Spirit highlights somebody in my church who I would have never, as bad as it sounds, I would have never really considered in my prayer time. And I feel like the Spirit says, <clears throat> I'm going to give him more authority. I'm going to give him more influence in his career because I want him to steward it in such a way that it, it ushers in my kingdom more. Like, Grant, Grant talked about this idea of renewal. God wants to make all things new. He wants to make everything the way that it should be. That includes every area of life. Everything. So <clears throat> I'm like, okay. So I reach out to this guy, um, and I'm like, hey, dude. Shared with him what I felt like God said. And he goes, hey, can we meet up and talk about this? And I'm thinking, okay, he's probably irritated with me. He's like, I just want to get some clarity. I want to meet up and talk with you. Um, kind of a newer Christian. <clears throat> and he goes, hey, man, so does this mean like I have to wear like um, WWJD bracelets and like Christian clothing when I'm at work and like evangelize people that like come into the, the area where he works. And I'm like, not exactly, man. Like, and I just explained this idea of renewal to him and God bringing his kingdom and him using every area of influence to bring his influence. Okay. And he's like, so he had this, it was beautiful. He had this now like God-sized vision for what he was about to do. And what's crazy, he goes, he goes, there's no way you would have known this. He goes, two days ago, I got offered um, uh, what is it? I got offered a promotion at my job to be the COO, the chief, chief operating officer of his network. Uh, it's a big deal. And he goes, and I've been kind of anxious about it. He goes, it's a lot of responsibility. Yes, like there's obviously benefits as far as finances, but I don't know if I have what it takes to walk into something with that much responsibility, that much authority. And it was so cool to see him leave that lunch going. He has a, now he has a fresh vision from the Lord that God's placed him there for God's purposes. And he has confidence mixed with humility. It's a beautiful picture. Okay? This idea of remaining, of staying, of abiding with God means he's integrated into your life. It means that he participates in what we do. And he gets to influence you in specific ways. And he doesn't just influence you. He influences other people around you. One more story, and then I'll continue on. I'm way over where I need to be on time. One more story for it. It doesn't just influence you. It influences people that then impact you. Um, when we were moving to San Diego to help plant the first church, gnarly story, God gave us a ton of faith to walk away from a lot, part of which was we didn't have a job. 
So we moved my, my baby's like three months old at the time, my eldest daughter. Um, she's seven now. So me and Ebony and my, and, and Millie, we moved, we're moving to San Diego. <clears throat> and we had, like I said, we had just given birth to her. And because of our health insurance situation at the time, we owed 10,000 US dollars to pay for our medical bills for, for having her. And so I'm, we're, we're moving to plant this church. I'm now unemployed with a three month old baby and $10,000 in debt <clears throat> with this medical bill, right? And one of my close friends, not a wealthy guy, um, he's like, hey, dude, um, you want to go golfing? And I'm like, I don't ha- I'm moving to plant a church, man. Like, I don't have a job. Like, I'd love to golf, but I can't afford this, you know? And he goes, I'll, I'll pay for you to golf. Let's go. I'm like, okay, great. And he was there. <clears throat> so we're in the middle of this round of golf. We're in the golf cart, and he goes, hey, man. And it's funny because he had this look on his face like, I don't really want to do what I'm about to do. He goes, and I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, I felt like God told me I'm supposed to give this to you. He pulls out a check. It's the exact amount of our our medical bill. That's a lot of money. Guys, remaining with him, staying with him, abiding in him, it has an impact not just on how you live your life, but how your brothers and sisters in Christ live theirs. It's interconnected. It's interdependent. Not independent, but depend. we're all interdependent on each other and dependent on the one who's given us life. You're tracking with me. There's huge ramifications, okay? One more thing to talk about. This idea of remaining has a huge influence on your participation in sin, okay? Because think about it. If, if Holy Spirit is always with you, there are things that you are not going to do if Jesus is in the room with you. Straight up. You're not going to talk to your spouse in a demeaning way. You're not going to be inappropriate with your children, whether it's verbally or physically or whatever. There are certain things that you're not going to do with Jesus right there beside you. You tracking with me? It's a huge, it's a gift from the Lord to guard you against the temptation, the, the fiery arrows of the enemy coming at you every day to tempt you to walk away from Jesus, to live a compartmentalized life where Jesus is part of some stuff, but he's not Lord over all. Hear me say this. Yes, he is. He's passionate about his people. He wants every square inch of your heart. You hear me say that? He's jealous for you. He desires you. He wants you. Not to control you, but to show you what life really looks like. It's a life of integrating him into all things because he's not just your savior. He's your Lord. So imagine with me for just a second. Imagine what your life would look like if you stayed with him right now. You're with Holy Spirit right now. And right now. And right now. And notice I'm calling him Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. We, we serve a triune God. Okay? One God, three persons, three persons, one God. I don't call Jesus the Jesus. Why? Because he's a person. I don't call Grant the Grant. <laughs> or Andy the Andy. Or Jackie the Jackie. Like, you guys tracking with me with this? Like, Holy Spirit's a person. And check this out. He's with you. And you can be with him all the time. Like, guys, I don't typically get homesick when I travel. Probably because they're, they're, when we travel, there's a lot going on. 
I really miss my wife. I want to be with her. I'm in this room right now. There's two beds. I'm there by myself. I miss her. But you know what's really cool? Holy Spirit's with me. I'm never alone. It guards me from loneliness. And as much as I love my wife and as much as she loves her, my creator knows everything about me. And he loves me. He loves me more than anybody ever could. I don't have to live a compartmentalized life. So, Think of what your life would be like if you stayed with him, if you remained in him, aware of your need, and, and abided in him. Think of what he would say to you. The type of things, the type of assignments, the type of direction, the type of encouragement. Think of what he would say to you. And here, here's the radical part. Think about if you said yes. Life would look incredible. And I have to say, the best choices in my entire life have been me saying yes to those moments. When God brings something to me. He says something to me. He, he, he directs me in some way, and, I, and he gives me faith to trust him to say yes. Um, okay, I'm going to jump back into the passage here. Uh, before I do, this is important. Like, when we talk about this idea of abiding with him, remaining with him, staying with him, think about who the one is that you're staying with. Like, this is not like a non-important, annoying person. This is not, I'll, I'll, be say, I'll say this, when the Holy Spirit says some things, it can kind of be like, really? Like, that's hard. But think about who you're abiding in. Think about who you're staying with. Think about who you're remaining in. Like the God of the universe, every single star, he placed it there. Like, not just creator, but like, he's all-knowing. Every single thing about you, stay with me, look at me, every single thing about you, even the ugly stuff, he knows it all, and he still doesn't withhold any affection towards you. Talk about, talk about this idea of being fully known and yet fully loved. This is who you're standing. It's like the most important, most beautiful, most glorious person ever. That's who we're staying with. It shouldn't be a chore. It's only a chore if we're deceived into thinking that there's something more sparkly. There's something more desirable. There's something more glorious. That's a lie. It's a lie from hell. Okay, let's jump back into the passage. Verse five. I'm, <laughs> I'm like four verses in. Here we go. Verse five. I'll, I promise I'll go, I'll go much faster, okay? Verse five. I am the vine, Jesus talking. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains, there's that word again, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because this is huge. You can do nothing without me. That's the reality of our neediness. We talk about this idea of dependence, knowing God. It's intertwined with how needy we are. And this says what? You can do, what does it say? Nothing without him. So what does that mean? To do anything of value, what do we need? Yeah, we need God. To do anything of value. You can spin your wheels and not go anywhere with your life. If that's what, if that's what you want to do, that's totally your prerogative. I want Jesus, baby. I want him. <laughs> I want him. Because apart from him, I can do nothing of value. Everything that I put my hands to will burn. Apart from Jesus. Do nothing without him. Uh, just before this, in John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit being sent. And he says that the Holy Spirit's going to be sent to teach you all things. Do you know what that means? The Holy Spirit will teach us all things. 
It means that we need to be taught all things. It means that we know nothing. <laughs> it's this idea of God in his grace helping us become aware that we really are needy. We like to be prideful people, think that we're kind of a big deal. No, no, we're so needy. We desperately need him. Teach us all things. So, again, my goal tonight, do you realize how needy you really are? Or are you in denial? And the truth is, friends, we're not nearly as capable as we think. We're really, really, really needy. Verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Those are strong words. Okay, that, that verse has been butchered by, by heretics for like centuries. Ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. What does that mean? Is that like, um, like a blank check? God's like, ask whatever you want, like I'm a genie. It kind of is. I'm serious. But here's what I mean by kind of. The key word there is want. Whatever you want. You see, the disciple is someone who remains in him. And when you remain, the result of that is you start to resemble. Remaining results in resembling. Who? The one that you're remaining in, that's Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that his wants, his desire, his will starts to become your wants, your desires, and then your will. It's this beautiful picture of transformation. It, that's the outcome of depending on God, friends. That's the outcome of needing him, is that it transforms you to be just like him, because we're not. His, his ways are different than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We want things that he doesn't want. We don't want things that he does want. We want our way, not his way. I didn't want to pray for those people in those uncomfortable ways. Okay, God had to transform something in me. And friends, that's why Jesus was sent. He was sent to transform sinners like you and me into children of God. To change us. Because we need forgiveness. We need grace. That's why he died on the cross. His body in his blood his body in my place, his blood in my place, atoning for my sins, atoning for your sins. Why? To transform me from the inside out with his grace to, 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 to enable me to be reconciled to him so that I can stay with him, so that he can transform my desires into his, or his desires into my desires. Are you seeing this picture? That's what transformation is. That's the agenda of God. That's renewal. Are you seeing? I need to know if you see this. Yes. Okay, great. Last verse, verse eight. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Friends, God's desire is to produce fruit through your life that only happens by remaining. Because apart from Him, you can do nothing. You guys know the fruits of the Spirit, right? 
Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the way life's supposed to be. A life filled with the fruits of the Spirit. It's amazing. It's awesome. And what's cool is that God, like, he's such an artist. He gives, like, to, he, he sprinkles different flavors through his spiritual gifts that he pours out on his people to see the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. manifest through different ways, through different mediums. Okay, this room is probably filled with spiritual gifts. Amazing, beautiful. But your, that gift, it's not for you to, to find like um, a sense of self-worth in or to exalt yourself or to become a big deal or to have a platform or anything like that. It literally exists so that God's love can go public through you. Okay, if you want to develop in your gifting, some of you are wrestling with your calling. Let me just challenge you. Like, try remaining in him. Like, God, what am I called to? Like, uh, have these big aspirations. Like, what if, what if you just remained with him five minutes at a time and listened and obeyed to what he said? Guess what would happen? You would walk in your calling, man. Your calling isn't out there. It's right here. Trust him. Obey him. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Um, okay, I'm going to call the band up. I'll close with this. We're going we're gonna to minister tonight, but come on up, guys. I just bought back some time. Skip some stuff on my notes. Um, <laughs> all right, let me take a drink of water, and then I'll intermission while I drink water. Okay, back to some vision for just a second. Consider what your life would look like. Don't, don't think about somebody else and their disobedience and they're not walking in their calling and all that stuff. You. Not your brother, not your sister, not your cousin, not your mom, not your dad, you. Think about this. What would your life have looked like if you remained in him? Like, What would your life look like if you actually realized how needy you are and you depended on him? You prioritized him. That's not, a, that's not a coincidence. Stay with me. What would your life look like if he was a priority because you needed him, which means you remained in him, you stayed with him? What if every area of your life looked more and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus? Like everything. Nothing's off limits. Your job, your relationship with your co-works, all that, your love life your parenting, your marriage, all of it. you reaching your neighbors with the gospel. What would it look like if you stayed with him? Because you needed him and you knew you needed him. And you knew that no matter what happened, he would never leave you and forsake you. Because the body and blood of Jesus has purchased you. You belong to him even though you mess up. And that his spirit lives in you. That means you have access to the most important person ever. What would your life look like? What would, what would this church look like if it was filled? And I say this church, I mean this church, man. What would this church like if it was filled with dependent people? Jesus tells us. He tells us what would happen. I'm going to read this to you. Matthew chapter 7. Really quickly, I'm almost done. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Friends, I'm convinced that God wants you to need him. He wants you to need him. Because listen, if you need him, this passage, if you need him, you will seek him. If you're desperate for him, if you're dependent on him, if you need him, you will seek him. And listen, if you seek him, you will ask him. And when you ask him, what does it say? Read this. If you ask him, what does it say? It will be given. What's the it? In the context, the it is the kingdom of almighty God. It's a promise out of the mouth of Jesus himself, God the God in the flesh. It will be given, the promise. Don't you want that? Like, do you really want it? I don't want to be lukewarm. I'm done. I might, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, are you? You have an expiration date. Do you know when it is? I want more stories of transformation. I want more stories of God breaking into people's lives the way that he broke into mine. I want it. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll fly. I'll leave my daughter on her fifth birthday. I love her, but I love Jesus more. And there's something at stake. And do you know what it is? It's, it's God's kingdom coming. It's God's kingdom coming. But for that to happen, do you know what I need to do? And do you know what you need to do? You need to deny your kingdom. And to be able to do that, you need to realize that to, to do that, you actually need him. You need his intervention. You need his grace to transform you. Are you tracking with me? Because I'll tell you what's not going to change things. What's not going to work. We don't need like more, more strategizing is not going to transform things. Like if we just had better strategies, honestly, our strategies are great, guys. We're really privileged. We don't need more strategies. It's not like we need more resources for the transformation to happen, for the change to happen in me and in the world. We just need more money. We need more free time. That's not what will change things. What we don't need is we don't need better strategies. We don't need more resources. We need him. We need him. So, 